Hi, I'm Jenny Whitehead, and this is my podcast. With different guests, we will be discussing relationships, families, and how to grow and strengthen them. Hi, welcome to the podcast this week. This week, we are going to be talking about um, illness, loss, death, and bereavement, and the chapter called Crucibles and Healing. So we're just going to kind of be covering... um, what those things mean and how we handle those different things. And with me today, I have a special guest, my dear friend Cheyenne, who is an oracle on the hill and a knower of all things. Um, Cheyenne, do you want to introduce yourself for a second? Hi, <laughs> I'm Cheyenne. I titled myself the fool on the hill. Um, wis- wisdom in the trivial sense, not always in the practical sense. But yes, I'm a good friend of Jen's and very happy to be here. Thanks. Okay, yes, she is, she sells herself short. She is the knower of all things. She used to teach, well, used to, well, yes, with COVID, we haven't had lessons, but she taught amazing lessons and is very articulate where I am lacking in many ways. So hopefully together we can do something good. Okay, so this week, again, like I said, we're talking about um, loss and death and bereavement. And... um, in the chapter that I read, and Cheyenne hasn't read it, so she'll have to bear with me, it talked about crucible. And I'll just talk about what that is for a second. It is a vessel that endures intense heat, and um, the things, then the stuff inside the vessel is then refined and transfigured um, into something stronger. So in, if you were thinking in a church term, it would be like the refiner's fire, which we often use a lot. So... Um, we will just cover a little bit of loss and death and bereavement. And I think almost anybody in today's world has suffered some kind of loss, um, whether it be um, death, job, illness. Everybody's had something at one point or another in life. Um, and I know that you have had some loss not that long ago and I thank you for being willing to share with us because it's not always easy and fun to talk about but if you wouldn't mind just maybe sharing a little bit about your story if you wouldn't mind sure so I am currently pregnant um this is my seventh pregnancy and I have three current children and one currently incubating so I have had three pregnancy losses And the most um, recent one was in February of this past year, just, I guess, nine-ish months ago. Um, This was uh, a later loss in the pregnancy. Uh, I was 16 weeks. And it was really interesting because um, I kind of almost knew that it was going to happen, Um, but there was no way of knowing that it was Mm -hmm. going to happen. Uh, Like, to the point where I... I remember you actually, we were out to lunch, and I remember you saying... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so uh, with this loss, I found out in the prenatal appointment, um, I couldn't, my midwife uh, couldn't find a heartbeat, and so we scheduled an ultrasound for the next day, and then confirmed on the ultrasound that uh, my baby had died. And I remember thinking when I went to the prenatal appointment, my daughter was with me, 
And I remember thinking to myself, I shouldn't bring her because there might not be a heartbeat. Uh-huh. And that was a weird thought because why would you think that? Right. Uh, I was past the red zone where a lot of losses happen. Uh-huh. And um, there was no reason to think that anything would be amiss. Uh, but I still thought that. But I brushed it off and I took her anyway. Thankfully, she didn't really uh, notice or pick up on the stress. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so it was really hard because when you find out that there's no heartbeat at that stage in the pregnancy, you have to make decisions about what to do next because your body isn't necessarily going to um, going to deliver it because it's, it's yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so that was really weird and interesting, but thankfully I had massive support uh, and was very thankful to have massive support. And so I was able to deliver my baby in the hospital. Uh-huh. I was able to have a water birth, which is quite unheard of for that kind of loss. Uh-huh. Um, but it was really, really beautiful. There was an interesting thing that happened. As I said, this is my seventh pregnancy. So uh-huh. before this loss, I had two other losses, one of which actually was with Jenny. That was my second loss. Um, <laughs> that poor, poor restaurant bathroom. Oh. You might want to edit that part. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you're going to have to edit that one. No. Um, But yeah, those were early. Mm -hmm. uh, Week seven, week eight, when your air quote typical miscarriage would happen. Mm -hmm. And so, like most women, um, I had not announced my pregnancy at that point. And so, I didn't really do anything about it uh-huh. um, they were there and then they weren't uh-huh. and so I just kept on living um, when I went in to pass to to birth um, Minnie that's what we uh, named her uh-huh. uh, I was so unsettled really really unsettled because I hadn't because I just kept living with the other two, I felt it was unfair that she was getting so much attention. Uh-huh. Um, which is weird to think about, but that's where I was. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember a moment in the hospital, the nurses came in, uh, and they were fabulous. Like they have a, a special kind of loss program at the hospital where I, where I delivered. Um, so they came in and the nurse had heard that this was my, at that time, sixth pregnancy. Um, and that I had had two other losses and she came in with, a kind of memorial box for Minnie. Uh-huh. Um, but in that box, she also included two tiny little bears. And she said, these are for your first babies. And it was just like a pressure valve, just release Uh, because she acknowledged that loss where Uh I never ever had sorry no it's good and if I hadn't gone through that if if Minnie hadn't passed I never would have properly known how much I had missed out Uh on acknowledging those previous losses well, yeah, you needed the grief, like you would never have grieved and then never would have healed and not knowing that you needed 
to heal. Almost, yeah. 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 Okay. Perfect. Okay, thanks. Sorry, I know that's super hard to share. Oh, that's okay. And many of us have, I don't know, pregnant, even in the textbook, it talked about how those early losses are never really, like nobody ever really says anything about them because what, what do you say? What do you even say about something that was, not that it was nothing, but I don't know. It's hard to understand. Yeah. Well, it's been really interesting too. Um, because I have, as I said, I have three living children, uh, currently and my oldest is seven. He, he was six at the time of Minnie's loss and uh, is now seven. And he has really, it's been really surprising to see how he dealt with it because he was the only one who cried. He was the only one who understood exactly what was going on. My other uh, children are uh, were at the time four and like one and a half, uh-huh. so they don't know. But he acknowledges it, and he acknowledges all three. And he actually didn't know that I had had two other miscarriages before. He he, when we were talking about it, he was like, "Wait, you had? There were other babies." that you had um and we explained what happened and so now when i say this is my f- <laughs> when i say this is my f- fourth child he's like actually mom this is your seventh child it's just the three of us are here so to see him process that so cleanly and mm-hmm. to recognize it was really interesting uh to me to to see how much and even as I went through this other people my my dad actually um they came at the end uh in the hospital to help us with the remains and he Uh he talked to me later about how because he had never experienced in his family any kind of loss at that stage Uh like he has overseen gosh like 50 some funerals Uh he uh, has had, you know, hit all of his grandparents have passed and things like that. He's seen loss in his life, but not that kind. And so for him, he never really understood that one. I mean, cause he's a man, but two, it had never been around him. So yeah. to see him change his perspective, um, was really interesting as well. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. No, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a hard place. And I think even like, it's interesting that you talk about not having recognized the other ones. I always feel guilty. I too, I've lost two as well at about three months. Um, and it's something that you kind of feel like you just have to sweep under the rug and pretend it didn't happen. And so I say, I have four kids, but I've been pregnant six times, but you don't, that's not something you say in an everyday situation. And so I think we kind of, yeah, we feel like it's something that you just sweep under the rug and we're, we don't always heal from. Well, I think that happens with grief a lot. Yeah. Like not, I mean, this one, maternal grief is, is something societally speaking that is swept under the rug. I feel like that could be a whole different podcast. Um, <laughs> but grief makes us incredibly uncomfortable. I, I hadn't dealt with grief a lot before this. Mm-hmm. Like my grandma died 
I haven't had a lot of death in my family. I haven't had a lot of sickness. Um, my grandma died when I was out of the country and my grandpa died. He was very old. It was definitely his time. It was a blessing and it was a beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but that kind of sharp loss, I hadn't dealt with a lot. And so because of that, I, I became awkward when I talked to people about it Mm -hmm. and going through what I went through allowed me to become so much more open and really acknowledge how much grief sucks. Um, but is a part of, of our life mm-hmm. and everyone's life. And it just allowed me to become, I think, more compassionate and, and yeah. No, it's true. Um, that was one point that I wanted to make where I think grief does make us super awkward. And I think when somebody is grieving, we're supposed to mourn with those that mourn and it's supposed to be, um, I read it's like the deepest expression of pure love that you can have, but gosh dang, it's uncomfortable. And so a lot of times we'll go into cliches like they're in a better place or there was obviously something wrong or it's better this way or I don't know. I have two kids with special needs, which is a different kind of, not that it's, it's a loss in a sense. Like they are still with me and I love them, but there was a loss in and just how life was supposed to be. And so I also get a lot of, um, oh, isn't it nice that you have two instead of just one? I'm like, okay, thanks so much. Or like just people say like weird, super cliche, random things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's to make them feel better. And we need to learn, I think, I think one of the biggest things we need to learn with mourning with those that mourn, and I didn't know it until I had probably lost my first child, was it's okay to be like, I'm sorry, that sucks. And that's all you have to say, because a lot of times there's nothing else. There's nothing else you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say? On that? Uh, no, I, 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 I agree. Yeah. Just saying, just acknowledging how much it sucks and being able to listen in the awkward pain. Mm-hmm. I think that helps. Indeed. Um, so then we look at finding perspective and meaning in these different losses and trials, which I think is sometimes easy and sometimes hard. And sometimes you can look back years after and be like, oh, I can see that. And I guess I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think it's okay? So, okay, I lost one baby and I came to terms with it. And I feel like that, not that it made sense, but it made sense in a way. And I felt like there was closure and peace. And then a few years later, I lost another one. And to this day, I still don't get it. Is it okay that it sometimes still just sucks? I definitely think so. I think, yeah, I think that's, again, we talk about cliches. I'm like, that's life. Yeah. <laughs> like, like some, some pain, it might not ever go away fully. And some, we have to, there'll be something maybe down the road um, mm-hmm. that will help us understand. Like it was years between these. Well, actually the second and third loss, they were pretty quick. Yeah, they were back. pretty quick. They back were to back. actually really quick. back. To back. But that first, the, the first loss and like the non-processing of that, like it was a long time in between and, and, you know, not realizing the impact of that until there was, like I said, that, that kind of switch. Mm-hmm. I think that could happen, but even if it doesn't, 
even if there are things that we never understand, it's still, we're all going to get angry. That's just part of learning how to deal with emotions as, as beings that feel emotion is learning how to process those. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I think, yeah, it's really nice to have perspective and meaning. And I hope that it comes for everybody sometimes, but sometimes you'll just have to hope that you can understand that meaning some other time, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, so there was a quote that I really liked. So this is talking about taking, um, taking your loss or your crisis from a crisis kind of standpoint to a crucible. So to a growth kind of point of growth and becoming something better. So, um, elder Bruce C. Heffen of the Heffen. Thank you so much. Of the 70 said, the gospel helps us to heal our pain, not necessarily prevent it. Um, so I guess it kind of goes back to finding perspective and meaning in illness. Um, I know often we ask, well, maybe not we, but it is often asked, if God really loved us, why would he put us through this? Or what is the point of this? Or, you know, different things like that. Um but what are your thoughts on healing helps us to heal the pain and not prevent the pain? Do you have any yeah. beads of wisdom? <laughs> I wouldn't call it wisdom, but uh, things I, I learned through that experience. And I'd, I'd talked with you about it before, um, but I'll share. The pregnancy like that I lost, Minnie, she wasn't expected. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I wouldn't say she wasn't ever wanted because I always want all of my babies, Mm -hmm. but I was going through a really, really hard time. Uh, Emotionally, uh, I was going through some mental health struggles. And so when I announced this pregnancy after 12 weeks, after the recommended waiting period of time to avoid awkwardness, the reception I got wasn't super awesome. Instead of being all like, this is awesome. We're going to be, oh, it's going to be so great. It was, are you okay? How are you going to be able to handle this? Uh, is everything going to be all right? There was a lot of those kinds of questions. Uh-huh. And so there was a lot of kind of hurt surrounding that. Um, and when the loss came, again, there was conflict because, well, it's like, oh, now this is a problem that solved but it didn't feel that way for very long Uh um and there was a problem that was solved but it wasn't it wasn't the removal of Minnie it was the coalescing around how much she was wanted Uh and how much hmm, how much everyone would have been there. Uh-huh. Um, oh gosh. Uh, and so that was really kind of beautiful uh-huh. because, yeah, I was going through a lot of mental health stuff, but there was so much healing that she brought uh-huh. in her passing um, that I was so grateful for it because. Yeah, I just remember going through when 
I found out and trying to figure out what to do next and just the amount of warmth and love that not had been missing in that pregnancy because uh-huh. it had always been there but that I was unable to see because of the hurt that I was holding from so many other things yeah and so that kind of stark loss really <clears throat> in the darkness actually shone a light on a lot so from that you were kind of able to see a purpose in the pain like not not that you wanted the pain but you could kind of yeah help understand it is the right word but well like when with sickness and different kinds of sickness there'll be underlying things that well like we hear about with like diagnoses of of serious illnesses oftentimes it'll be something else that happened that allowed the illness to be diagnosed some other thing that either allowed it to flare up enough to cause concern or to have someone investigate and i felt like that's what this was like mm-hmm. something bad need to happen needed to happen so that i could understand everything else perfect thank you okay so i guess lastly i just wanted to maybe touch a little bit on um healing and um it takes a while to heal it wasn't like you said it wasn't that long ago for either of your last two babies but do you feel like a healing has started or progressed or you're in the middle of definitely yeah and i'm i'm grateful to be able to say that Mm -hmm. um because I know it's I know it's not that way for everyone, um, but I absolutely um, can kind of track how how I have started to heal and the resource again the resources uh, that I feel so blessed to have had. My midwives were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, my family was amazing. My church family was amazing. You were amazing to make you embarrassed. Oh. <laughs> She really was like it was Stop amazing. It more shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just so many friends. Um, and again, people that I hadn't really interacted with in years and years that that were able to reach out and and in the moment, I didn't realize how much that had helped. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it really it really helped me kind of start moving forward Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you're anything like me a lot of the times I don't realize that I'm healing until I'm already well into the process Mm. of it where it's like oh this doesn't hurt quite as bad as it used to but yeah it's definitely a slow a slow process sometimes all right well thank you so much Cheyenne for talking with us today and for taking time and I know it's a sensitive spot and I'm fine sorry to put you through it but thank you for helping those who need to be helped um so after talking with Joanne I just wanted to share a couple other little points um I'll just use my own life like I had kind of said earlier I think everybody goes through um different senses of loss 
um, whether it's loss of a job or um, loss of a spouse through their death or divorce. Um, there's there's so many different kinds, um, and I I know there's people who've had different and even worse losses than I have. Like I've had um, family members that have lost spouses to death, and I and even to divorce, and I've had family members. Um, like I've lost a, one of my grandpas and I've lost a couple of uncles and a, um, a couple of cousins and um, all of them are sad and hard and they're even harder for the families that are closer. Um, and like I had said, I've lost a couple of babies at about three months, um, which is hard, but I think losing it's hard, but losing an older kid, I think, would be a whole other kind of hard. Um, and that being said, the loss that I feel like, again, I've, I've lost two babies at three months, which was hard. But I'm going to focus on a different kind of loss, and that's, um, I don't even know what I would call it if it's like a situational loss, or I'm not sure. But like I said, I have um, my two, I have four kids, and my two middle boys have autism. Um, and I, I hate saying that that's a loss, but it is in a sense when there's a disability, it's, it's just different. And I didn't think I was going to get emotional, but I might. So I apologize. Um, so my oldest son is, um, quite high functioning and he'll probably go on and do quite well in his life. Um, my next son, Bauer um, is not as quite as high functioning as Griffin is. Um, that being said, he's um, he's verbal and he can eat and he can go to the bathroom and he goes to school and all of those kinds of things. Um, oh. But all Bauer has ever wanted in his life was to um, get married and to be a husband and to be a father and that's all he's ever ever wanted. Um, and I guess I should say not only does he have autism, but he also, oh, he has ADHD and he also has, um, a very low IQ, very low, um, to the point where it's considered like its own disability. Um, so that lucky boy has three things batting against him. And so, yeah, all he's ever wanted was to be a husband and a father. And that's kind of all you want for your kids to. You want your kids to grow up and to be happy and to be functioning members in society, being be helpful members of society. And um, so it's a different, oh my, sorry guys, a different kind of loss where um, I still have both of my sons and they are with me, but it's kind of a sense of, um, it's not... I guess it's the loss of a life that could have been. There is a poem that somebody gave me once. I think it might have even have been my mother-in-law about having a child with a disability. It's kind of like planning a trip to France. And you and all of your friends are planning this trip to France. And you buy the books about going to France. And you learn a little bit of French. And you're all excited. And everybody's going together. Um, and... So your friends go to France and they are loving it and you get on your airplane 
Now your airplane ends up taking you to Denmark. Now Denmark is very nice, but it is not France. It is not bad, but it's different and it's not what you were expecting. And the poem goes on to say how you see all your friends in France and their pictures and all the experiences they're having and your experiences are completely different. Again, not bad, just not what you were expecting. And at the end of your trip, you were able to finally see all the great things um, that Denmark had to offer and how there were beautiful things and wonderful experiences. It just wasn't what you were expecting. Um, and so I guess there's, and I don't even know how to verbalize that, but um, again, it's a sense of loss. Ooh, sorry. Um, and I guess maybe I haven't fully dealt with it. I'm getting better, but it's always hard um, to think about and to see to see other people's kids doing these amazing things, and then and then the very basic things being the amazing things that your kids are doing. Like I remember seeing. Um, a cousin's kid learning how to ride a bike at like three years old and that was amazing and everybody's saying oh that's so amazing and then there's my kid that still can't go to the bathroom and still can't talk and and so when they do go in the bathroom it's a big deal but that's at five years old when the other kids are doing other things and so while it was an amazing experience well if I can finally go to the bathroom by himself but it's not the same experience that other people are having. So it's just hard. So there's a little bit of loss there, a little bit of jealousy, um, and a little bit of grief that comes with it. Whew, sorry. Um, and it's so hard because it's one that, oh, sorry, is very lonely um, because most people don't understand it and it's very often not considered a loss. So you will very often get, like I was talking with Cheyenne, you'll get um, a lot of cliches. Or, oh, please don't ever ask me if my kids like Rain Man. I guess they are not. Um, I don't like watching um, shows about people with autism. I do not like watching um, The America's Got Talent, where a boy with autism can sing and play the piano, and it's amazing. And have you seen it? I'll tell you right now. No, I haven't. I don't want to watch it. That is not my life, and that's not what my kids can do. But my kids can do other things. Bauer is the sweetest, most obedient child you will ever meet. But it's still hard. Ooh, okay, sorry. Um, and again, other people have had different losses, and probably worse than what I have had. I have a dear sister-in-law who is... Um, sorry battling cancer and she has for a couple of years and um and that is hard and she's trying to plan a wedding and that is hard so she has had loss I've had like I said an aunt who's lost a husband when she was younger that is hard something I can't imagine I've had um, aunts and uncles lose 
children. That is something that I can't imagine. My own cousin has lost um, her 17-year-old a year ago, and that's heartbreaking and a loss again that I can't imagine. And apparently, I have been pushing a lot of things down, um, which is my go-to, I'll be honest. I push feelings down and and crack a joke and then everything's good again. I am fairly awkward with emotion. Um, But it's just losses everywhere. And I'm, oh, heck, sorry guys. Okay, Um, so like I said, losses everywhere. And very often I have a hard time finding perspective and finding meaning or even finding purpose in it. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I'm good at it. It's usually easier to find it in other people's losses than my own. Um, But one thing that I can appreciate is the healing that comes from the atonement. Um, So that things will hurt and things will always hurt. Well, not always hurt, but these kinds of things will always hurt but we can heal and for me a big part of that comes through the atonement and knowing that there's some things that I just have to let go of um and let let the Lord heal me and again that doesn't always mean taking away or having pain um changed but it can mean um it can be just a lightening of a load sometimes. Um, so I would love to hear any comments about healing or grief that y'all have. Because I am, again, I'm a pusher downer and a barrier. And I had to honestly pause this a couple of times. I don't know if you could tell. Because I apparently I just push things down. And then when I try and talk about them, just sob like a baby. Um, but anyway... I will, I guess, try working on that for myself. And again, thank you to Cheyenne for being willing to talk about um, kind of a, a sore spot for her as well. And we will see you next time.